0: The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit HopeHillChurch.org. right, as you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, uh, we're going to continue our series called Bless. Uh, We're in the middle of a bigger series called Gospel Shaped Outreach. Uh, We are here for one main reason, and that is to help point people to Jesus in the way we live, in the time we spend with people and the way that we serve people. BLAST stands for begin with prayer, listen with care, eat. Oh, I'm going a little fast today, sorry. Eat together, and that leads us today to understanding the importance of serving with love. In 2011, the nation of China was rocked by a tragic incident. A little girl named Wang Yu, uh, lovingly called Yu Yu by her family, to a very crowded alley and was hit not once but twice by vehicles passing by. Over the next several minutes, security camera footage would capture 18 different people who would walk right by little Yu Yu. some stepping right over her, some veering out of the way as to not hit her again. And it was several minutes that little Yu Yu laid there broken, A, a peddler eventually came by and picked little Yu Yu up and took her to the hospital. Unfortunately, eight days later, Yu Yu passed away. The news of this story and the footage from caught from the security cameras uh, circulated the world through the Internet. And this incident, China has called for itself our Good Samaritan problem. Uh, since then, this has sparked something in the nation of China where they're trying to become a nation that is not quite so apathetic. Some can look and see this circumstance as a problem China has, but the truth is is it's not just a, a problem for China. It's a worldwide problem. It's an ancient problem because it's a human problem. In and of ourselves, we are wired to be selfish people, thinking about what we have going on, what we have to do, where we have to go, and many times we'll just walk right on by somebody in need. Have you ever been there? Unfortunately, that's the case even for myself. Many times our schedules are full, our, our, our time is, is, is short so we get on and about the things that we feel are important and often overlook or neglect the things that are right before us. In our passage today, Jesus is speaking to one of the religious experts of the day. And he paints a picture in the parable, very well-known parable, called the Good Samaritan. Today my hope is that as we understand the depth and the need for us to be That are about sharing the gospel with any and everyone who God has placed around us, that we would see the importance of going out of our way to serve one another. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, it says this. I'm going to start reading in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Some of your versions may say a lawyer. This isn't a legal lawyer is a religious person who knew the Old Testament back and front and he heard that Jesus was a teacher and he wanted to test him to see if Jesus really knew what he was talking about. So he stands up and he tests Jesus and he asks Jesus this question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want you to underline that word, do. This question really sums up mankind what must i do to get to that next step what must i do to reach the next goal what must i do to achieve whatever it is we're trying to achieve in john chapter 6 right after jesus feeds the 5000 the next day they're looking for jesus and they're 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 coming after him and and they're looking for for fries because they had the burger the day before do we get fries with that not really in the Greek, but I said it anyway. Um, um, they come to Jesus, and Jesus says, you know, you guys aren't looking for me for me. You're not looking for me because of who you think I am. You're looking for me because you want your belly full. You need to stop trying to live for food that will just simply pass away and leave you hungry again. Instead, you should live for food that will never fade. You should live for the bread of life, and I am the bread of life. And so they asked the question, the same question that the, the expert in the law here, they said, okay, Jesus, then what must we do to have this bread of life? The, it's been said that the difference between Christianity and all other religions is two letters. The letters are the word found in the word done. The difference between Christianity is do and done do is what must I do to earn God's favor? What must I do to somehow please God? What must I do to earn eternal life? What must I do? It's about me, me, me. If I read enough, if I study enough, if I go to enough uh, Bible gatherings, if I serve enough people, will I somehow earn God's favor? Can I do enough so that I'll have eternal life? Can I do enough so that I'll be the difference between do and done is what Jesus did. Jesus did it all. There's nothing more that we must do to earn his salvation. We simply accept what has already been done. We simply accept, receive, and believe. Believe and receive the gift that God offers through his life. Jesus did it all. He went to the cross in our place. That's why at the end of his life, he said it is finished. All that needed to be done was done, and he offered up his life in exchange for ours, for any who would believe it. But Jesus meets this man in the line of his questioning, and when the man says, what must I do to inherit eternal life, Jesus says, what is written in the law? If you're an expert in the law, you tell me. What do you find written there? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? And the man answered Jesus, verse 27, and said, "What well, says we are to love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves." This expert in the law is quoting from Deuteronomy and, and the book of Leviticus. He had studied these laws. He knew these laws. And he wasn't about to pass a test issued by Jesus. He was the one here to test Jesus. And so he throws it out there. Jesus, again, meets him right where he is. He says, okay, that's the right answer. So do that, and you'll live. Do that. Do you? Are you tell, here to tell me today that you love God with all of who you are, all the time, always? Are you here to tell me today that you love every neighbor? You love every person that I've put around you? You love them always? They, you love God always and love others always. That's a hard, hard thing to claim. We all fall short. The Scripture says, "None of us are perfect." And so it's not about what we can do. It's about what Jesus did. Jesus loved us completely. But this man, he doesn't. He doesn't get it. You know, hopefully he'd be humble enough to say, you know what? There's there's definitely times when I don't love God with all my life. I don't love God with all my thoughts. I don't love God with all my actions. There are times when I just flat out fail. This man should have said, you know, there are many people in my life that I struggle to love. I've been hurt. There's unforgiveness in my heart. There are people that I I have a hard time getting along with. That's what this man should have done. So, Jesus, tell me what what? What can be done if I can't do that? But that's not the approach he took. Instead, he questions Jesus again. And wanting to justify himself, he asks Jesus in verse 29, he says, So who is my neighbor? Who am I supposed to love? And Jesus tells this parable. and He says this. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, there was a road, and, you, and and for those of you who go to Israel, maybe you'll see this road. It's known as one of the most dangerous roads in the area. Uh, very windy, very steep, a long journey from, from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. And there were many places where you could be hijacked, where robbers could hide. This man was traveling this road, and there came a place where he was attacked by robbers. They didn't just steal from him. They beat him. They stripped him. They went over and above. They stripped him. They took his clothes. They beat him, and they went away, leaving him for dead. A priest later passed by, going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side of the road. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw, he passed by on the other side. These were the good. But a Samaritan, I'm sure this caught the attention of this Jewish expert in the law. Samaritans were ridiculed, they were rejected, they were outcast. They lived in Samaria. And if uh, a Jewish person was traveling to the other side of Samaria, they would, instead of going through Samaria, they would walk around because that's how much they just despised anybody from that people. So Jesus says there was a good Samaritan. This good Samaritan comes, and as he travels, and he comes to where the man is, he sees him, and he takes pity on him. When he went on, he went on to bandage his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him into uh, an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the inn. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Jesus then says to those present, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man that fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who showed mercy on him. Jesus said, Go and live the same way. Go and live as I have lived. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to serve those who were often rejected and ridiculed by everyone else. And there's, there's the picture of the heart captured in this parable. And there's three attitudes of, of men that we can see. The first group is the robbers. These are those who are cruel. And we can be cruel. You don't have to be a robber and beat someone up to be cruel. You can simply just be greedy and covet what others have. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, 30, he said, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him up and they departed, leaving him for dead. The attitude of these robbers was or is what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. I'm going to do whatever I have to do because I want it. And maybe you would never steal anything, but have you ever had that feeling of bitterness towards someone who had more blessings than you thought they deserved? Who had something you wanted? This is the seed that leads to greed. And Jesus said, watch out and be on guard against all kinds of greed. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Later in Luke, he would go on to say that be careful because of where your heart is. Your heart will be where your treasure is. What is it that you treasure? What is it that you crave for? What is it that you desire? Is it the things that you feel are due to you? I've lived a good life. I deserve this. It's mine. I'm going to take it if I have to. The attitude of the cruel is what's yours is mine and I'm going to The second attitude that we see revealed here in this passage is the attitude of calloused, a heart that's grown hard and cold towards the needs that are present in the world around us. We see this in the life of the priest and the Levite. These were two individuals who were given the responsibility and the duty to care for people. And in some ways, you can think that they were justified in their actions. There were strict laws that if you had been around a dead body, you would be unclean and therefore unable to fulfill your duties. And so, rightfully so, as a priest or a Levite comes by, you know, I've got people to care for. I'm sure somebody else will come and help you, and they keep going on their way. Kind of like the story last week that Gary told us about Jesus helping the woman who was bleeding. He had a mission. He had a direction. He had an agenda. He had a date. At, at, at Jairus' house, a very important man, to care for that family and their need there. And on the way, he's interrupted by some beggar woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus could have easily said, woman, leave me alone. I've got business to attend to. But that wouldn't be Jesus. Jesus heals this woman. He stops his agenda, and he pauses, and he takes care of this woman in her t- place of need. The attitude of the calloused is, what's mine is mine, and I need to keep it. I don't have the time right now to care for you. I don't have the resources right now to help you in your time of need. So God bless you, and we move along. In some ways, this attitude is justified. It doesn't always look that bad, but... God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Philippians 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In the back, aren't in other parts of the world who aren't in destitute places they live in our backyards some of these family members attend this church some of these family members they go to school with our children the biggest difference between many of these families is they simply just don't have enough income to give their children the bare necessities a child asking for Let our hearts not be cold and calloused. Let us heed the words of the prophet Jeremiah who said, pray for the city and bless it. Pray for the city where I've carried you. For in its prospering, you too will prosper. Let us be people who are not calloused. But instead. The word compassion is the word splagnos I say that a lot here. It's one of my favorite words. It's where we get the word spleen from for some reason. It means to be moved to action from the inside. When you see something, someone in need, it hurts you so much that it compels you to do something about it. This is the kind of compassion that Jesus had for us scriptures say that he saw us as sheep without a shepherd wandering away wandering astray and he came down to be that good shepherd it was out of compassion for us that moved him to action and this man the good Samaritan reacted out of compassion Luke 10 33 says but a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and when he saw the beaten man he had The attitude of the compassionate is not what is yours is mine, I'm going to take it. It's not what is mine is mine and I need to hold on to it. It's instead what is mine is yours and I'm going to give it. In order for this Samaritan to be able to act out of compassion, he had to do a few things. The first thing he had to do was stop was likely a, a, a businessman. He was on his way, journeying. He's riding his donkey. He's got his belongings. He's got things. He's got places to be. He's got things to take care of. But he stops. He sees this man in need. And he stops. The second thing he does is not just take time to intervene in a situation like sometimes we need to do. Just st- chilling and eating with someone in their time of need. The next thing he does is he gets off his donkey. Simply put, some of us need to get off our donkeys. And you can use the King James Version if you like. (laughs) Many of us sit back. You know, things are all good on the home front. I can relax now. Let's not just think of ourselves and our families. Let us get up and be busy doing, joining God in the work he's already doing. Let us get off our donkeys and get involved in the the life transformation that God calls us to. And the lives of those he's placed around us. He doesn't only get off his donkey. He goes to the man and he touches him. This man is naked. This man is beaten. This man is half dead. And the Samaritan goes, and he loves on him. He touches him. He takes care of his wounds. He picks the man up. He puts the man on his donkey, and he takes the man into town. It goes on to tell us that the next day, so he spent the whole night caring for this man. He checks this man in, and he doesn't just, hey, buddy, I'm wishing you blessings. I'm on my way. He stays there. He cares for this man. And the next day, he gives the man, the innkeeper, two denarii. A denarii is worth a day's wage. It's a good chunk of change. It's not like, you know, a handful of quarters. It's a good amount of money. And he gives them two denarii. Archaeologists uh, found uh, charts that kind of broke down the cost of certain things in biblical times. You know how much it costs to stay in an inn back then? One thirty-second day's wage the samaritan gave the innkeeper 2 denarii covering 64 days if needed not just a couple days or a week or two i'm here to care for you buddy 64 days in the end paid for and not just that he says to the man And when I come back, if there's any other expenses, let me know. I'll take care of it. That's going above and beyond. I felt good a couple weeks ago. I was leaving Taco Bell. I got myself a three taco. Um, Brandon doesn't know this. I was hungry. I didn't wait for dinner. I got myself a three taco meal, and I pull up to the light. I had already shoved two tacos down. I had a taco left and an empanada. Those caramel apple empanadas are really good. <laughs> there was a guy there on the corner asking for money. So I was a good Samaritan. And I gave him my leftovers. Who are we to think that's enough? This man paid for 64 days and said if there's any other expenses, Somebody that would be willing to give, pay for everything we've ever owed. Someone who would be willing to give up everything they had. To bring us hope and healing. That's Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, I'll pay for every debt you've ever owed. There's nobody too You know who many of us are in that story? We're that broken, beaten man. And Jesus has come to offer you hope and healing. To give you the best life ever. That's the greatest gift. Have you received it? The attitude of the compassionate is, what is mine is yours. I'm going to give it. And Jesus said that when he went to the cross in our place. and He gave up his life for ours. And he said, Father, forgive them. The very people who were putting him on that cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus offers that same forgiveness to you and to me today. He is that good Samaritan. Jesus said after he died on the cross and rose again, when he came back to his loved one, his followers, he said, this is the journey you are called to follow. As the father sent me, I'm now sending you to go and to be that good Samaritan, to go and to do likewise, to go and to love on people at their greatest point of need. To pray for them, to listen to their hurts, to spend time with them and eat to serve them so that you can share my love with them. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means and how we can share the love and the story of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, it is our hope passion that you call us to be, a people that would be about blessing those you've placed around us, a people who would be about serving those you've placed in our life who, who need you. Let us not be people who grow calloused and simply walk on by. serve with love. You promise us in your word, the book of Psalms, you say good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. In Proverbs, you tell us a generous man will prosper, that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Jesus, you told us in the book of Acts that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Father God, as Paul wrote, I pray that we would not uh, consider excelling in holiness good enough, that we would not consider excelling in faith good enough. But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. God, help us to be people who are willing to give of our time. To give of our agenda, to give of our resources, to give of the things that you've blessed us with, realizing that you've blessed us so that we will be a blessing to others. Father God, I pray this prayer for those in this room who already know you as Savior and Lord. Continue to refine us, shape us, and make us the people you want us to be, so that those who do not yet know you will see our good works and come to know you, our Father Father, I also pray for those in this room who may not know you yet as Savior and Lord and their own spiritual father. If you're here this morning and you've never cried out to our Savior, he's here now. And his love is being poured out, hoping that you would open up your life to receive it. If you're here this morning and you want to receive the gift of love and life and forgiveness that only Christ can bring, the gift of hope. The scriptures tell us that if we call on him as Savior and Lord, if we believe in him with our heart, that he will make us his children. Right here, right now, as I pray, you can lift up your heart to God and call out to him and say this, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to this world to die for me. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer me. Come into my life. Help me to follow you. Teach me what it means to turn from my own way of doing things and to put you first in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross and giving up your life in exchange for mine. Come into my life and make me new. Father God, I pray for anyone in this room who may have prayed that prayer today, that they would step forward in confidence knowing that you love them. You accept them just as they are. you're here to give them hope and love and a life full of meaning and purpose. Father God, move through us now. Shaping us and making us the people you want us to be. To be out there blessing and serving others. So that they will come to you. Let us not forget. This is all only possible because of what Jesus did for us when he was with his loved ones. At their last meal together, he picked a piece of bread, and as he took the bread, he broke it. He said, this bread is a symbol of my body that will be broken for you. He took the cup, and he said, as you drank of this cup, this is a symbol of my blood that will be shed for you of your sins, as often as you eat of this bread and taste of this cup, remember what I've done for you. My hope is that as we taste of this communion together today, and in response to what he did for us, we will commit to live for him. If you've given your heart to Jesus, I invite you to make your way to the communion stations in the back of the room or up here to the front, and out of worship and response, remember what Christ did for you. If you prayed to receive Christ today as your Savior, I invite you to come and participate in communion as well. And I would love for you to come to one of our prayer teams or myself up here at the front and just say, Pastor John, today I prayed to receive Jesus. We would love to celebrate that decision with you. If you've got something going on in your life and you are feeling like that beaten, broken man, Jesus is here for you. And we would love to pray with you about that. You can, again, go to any of our prayer teams in the back or to me up front. We'd love to pray with you before you leave today. Father God, move among us now, I pray. Lead us through your Holy Spirit to take the next steps you're calling us to take. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us worship together as the band leads us and respond as the Holy Spirit leads you.